We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are very pleased. You know, we always talk to legendary Notre Dame players. And today is no different right here, hump day right here. We're going to give you one of the brutes and one of the greatest, one of the, look, the NFL is pretty much littered. We lost a legend at Notre Dame when Harry Heastan stepped away. And not only does he leave a legacy at Notre Dame, but you look at the NFL right now and he left his mark his mark is all over the nfl yeah. and one of those songs in chicago he has chicago yes. offensive line specifically absolutely <laughs> and we bring one of those irish sons on to the lucky lefty podcast right now former notre dame offensive lineman now tampa bay buccaneers offensive lineman robert hainsey joins us on the lucky lefty podcast how you doing today, Robert? I'm good, fellas. How you doing? Shaw Malik, good to see you guys. Thanks for having well, me here. Normally, I would say you're probably doing much better down there in Florida than us, but yeah. I'm actually dealing with a 60-degree day here in Chicago. It's actually 60 degrees today. So, oh we, yeah, we got pretty lucky today. So I want to start here. Uh, I don't think – I got the, my first time – Spending spring, of course, with COVID and everything. Last year was my first time really spending the spring around Harry Heastan after his return to Notre Dame. And I don't think people really understand from an outsider looking in. You hear about the legend, but like I'm going to miss. He is like in the audio mix of practice. Like I, it's it's going to be troubling for me going to practice this spring and not just hearing that voice over everything else way down the field. Like, okay, Harry's here. It's going to yep. be a different sound. It's going to be weird probably for the first couple of days. And also not being – this is what I saw. He would always talk to the offensive linemen, but I would see the running backs go up to him after a play and say, man, did I see that right? Or is there something else I should be looking for? I, I don't think people really understand the shoes that are about to be filled that that – Joe Rudolph is stepping into, but he leads, he cast a really big shadow at the University of Notre Dame. Just talk about Harry Heastan, what he meant to you personally and what he means to the university. Yeah, I mean, I can't really say enough good things about Coach Heastan. I think he's in the top two, three people in my life that I owe what I have as a football player to. The things that he commanded in expected of you and the standard that was set when he got there with Zach and Watt and I continued with Nick and Ronnie and Mike and Q and Sam, myself, Liam, Tommy, Banks, all these guys. Like that is something that really can't be put into words. And you saw it this last year. Like I, I love my favorite part about not being at Notre Dame and there's not many things, but it's being a fan and getting to watch the games because every every game I watched this year and I'm you know, I remember being a freshman and him being like, 
these old guys watching the game, they're watching you guys. They're watching yeah. the offensive line play. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. And now I'm watching the offensive line play, and that's all I do. And I'm like, I'm like, what are they doing? How are they doing? And, like, I watched them get better and better and better this whole year as a group, as a unit, and as individuals. I mean, they got some, they got some dudes up there. And I think that, you know, I experienced it after my freshman year, Coach Eastad left and we had Coach Jeff Quinn, who did a great job with us for those three years. But it was, you know, it's still different. And what they're going to have to do with those young guys and Joe and Blake and the older guys of the room like Zeke, what they're going to have to do is do everything in their power to not let that standard drop at all. Because every coach is different. And I don't, I've never been around a coach like Harry. I think there's some out there, but I haven't been around a coach. Like, that's just the way he is. That's just so the without, way he is. Just the exactly, way. Just, just without that, you have to be extremely diligent as an individual and hold each other accountable as a group to keep that. Or it goes away quickly. It really does. Like, you don't – you go into practice when he's your coach and you're like, oh, man, here we go. But those are the things that made us great and made us compete the way we did with each other. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah. That's interesting. You just said that. I watched a mic'd up video. I don't know if you remember this from the 2019 season. Uh, Notre Dame Media had you mic'd up for a practice. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you come out and you're like telling everybody else, like, "Yo, I'm, I'm mic'd up." Like, you see that camera right there? I'm mic'd yeah. up. <laughs> and they were like, "What do you mean? You think you're mic'd up? Either you're mic'd up or you're not." But, it was, but you took so much time during practice talking about the change that was made. It was almost you took it upon yourself to make sure that the young guys understood the standard that was set by Harry. He's saying, even though you had a new coach, is that something you expect Joe Alton, Blake Fisher and Zeke Carell to kind of grab the reins in that same type of mentality to make sure that things stay the same, even though different things are being asked from a new coach? Man, they better. But I think they will, because, you know, for me, I took a ton of pride in coaching up younger guys as I got older because when I was a freshman like I was playing right I was playing left tackle that spring and then moved to right and like I spent a ton of time with Mike and Q because they were the seniors they're the older guys and I was like I remember doing drills in the weight room with Mike all the time like afternoons in the spring just being like hey can you come do this or hey can we watch film let's watch my one-on-ones and do that stuff so like I knew what it meant to me to have those guys so I hoped that as I got older and I could be that figure that it would mean the same thing to them. And I mean, even like last spring, um, yeah, last spring I was back there with uh, Tommy Kramer and like we watched some film with the group and then like Joe Walt texted us and was like, hey, can you guys watch some film? We're like, absolutely, dude. Like that's what yeah. we're here for. Yeah. So I think that those guys will remember that and hopefully they take that into their own role of being like the coach because that's what it's always been. 
we had guys come back and then the, the older guys were coaching the younger guys because I don't know. That's just what we always did. This is, yeah. It's just a thing to do. Yeah. What was, what's that standard like and how much did it change once you got into the NFL from, I mean, I'm sure you're not traveling in the pack like you was at Notre Dame with the guys. <laughs> so how much of a difference did you notice when you went to the NFL? Yeah, it's definitely different. Comparing it, like if I were to, if you compare it to like what it's like when HH is there, like you had to do those things or <laughs> you had to, or if you're the older guy, like you're getting reamed for it. You can't not do it. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, he's, yeah, yeah, he's like, it's more like, he's like, like, what are you like shocked that you wouldn't walk out together as a group, which <laughs> is something I loved about Notre Dame. And I think I realized that, um, while I was there, I was like, man, I might, I probably never have a group like this or a team like this of like people I'm this close to, which like we have a great group in Tampa. Like I love my group, but it, you know, it's, it's college. We all live together. We spend a lot of time there. And then now people have families, you know, how everyone says it. it's, that's, that's a real thing. So it's different, but like, that's a special bond that like we had as Notre Dame offensive lineman. And that like, anytime you meet anyone that played for HH, like, you have like an automatic bond. You're like, oh, <laughs> I know what you went through. I, I feel you know, you. exactly like you know what it's about. I know, I know you. I know you've been through it. So like, I already have an immediate respect for you. <laughs> so just sticking with that, your time with Tampa this year was a very trying season. You lose your all all pro center right at the beginning of the training camp, and now you're pushing to service to be a center. Yeah. Yeah. Were were you prepared to do that because of your time with Harry Heastan and being in Notre Dame, having that versatility and being ready to ready to be inserted and snap the ball to the goat in his last season? You didn't know that going into the season, but yo, you spent the last season as his primary center. That had to be pretty special. Absolutely, and it's it's been an interesting transition. Like, I only played tackle at Notre Dame and in high school. So, like, I never played center. I knew <laughs> going to, like, the senior bowl that teams were probably going to want me inside, center, or guard, which, whatever, like, I'll do I'll do whatever. I ended up playing a little center at the senior bowl, which I didn't plan on doing. I hadn't, I hadn't really worked on it, but I was just like, ah, let's do it. Just jump in, let it rip, and did all right. Did pretty good, but I think that, that helped me. That showed, like, teams that, like, I can do it. And that they can help develop me. And like my rookie year, no way I could have done what I did this year. Wasn't even close to ready. Got through camp and was like, what is this? I was like, <laughs> it was, it was, I was like, man, I'm bad. And that's that's okay. That's okay. Like I was playing a new position and I had to yeah. figure it out. But as that year went on and I got to play a little bit and practice a little bit and get more confident. And uh, I was working with a guy, AQ Shipley who I don't know if you guys know or have met before, but unbelievable guy, played 12 years out of Penn State, ended up yeah. retiring that Super Bowl year. That my rookie year what stayed as our assistant coach because he's been part of he's been with that staff a lot of his career. So aside from Coach Goodwin, who is our primary offensive line coach or run game coordinator who coaches like the guards and centers, I was on AQ's hip all the time. I was yeah. and this and this might be a this might be a hairy thing. Like because it's not like everyone does it, which to me is like, why not? But oh, like it's a mentorship. Yes, reaching like, uh, out for the the mentorship kind of thing. But like, it's like, oh, you could stay a little longer and go watch the scout team film with him and work on your technique, yeah. or oh, you could do a little extra drills with him on an off day. Like, yeah, to me yeah. that was like, of course you do that. That's what you. That's what you do. That's what you always do. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's crazy to me to think that you wouldn't do that because of Cochista to bring that back. That's right. But so I worked with him a ton and he was like, give me a lot of help and playing center. And he decided not to keep coaching. He's doing the media thing. Now he's on Pat McAfee show, but in the off seasons about this Saturday, I'm about to head out there. I go to Arizona. I spend, I stay with him. Well, I stay by myself, but I train with him and it's just me and him. Mm -hmm. And we train and we lift and we do drills every day for about a month until I go back to OTAs and I'll go back out in the summer. And that's what I did this last off season and what I'll continue to do. So that was like, for me, I didn't even know what position I was going to be playing when I got back to camp. So I had spent time working on center and a lot working on left guard. 
So I was kind of ready to get back with Jensen there and be like, all right, I'm going to go win this left guard job. Yeah. Three days in the camp without pads on. Jensen gets hurt, which was terrible. Hated that for him because he's taught me a ton too. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's kind of where – that's how it ends up. And so I'm like, okay, well, here I am. And from then, same thing. Like I was confident and ready and knew that I was going to start. Like in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be a starter this season. In my mind, I guess it was probably left guard. It ended up being center. And I was like, take this and run. And I did the best I could throughout the season, you know, and tried to just continue getting better and working on things. And when things weren't working, I was going back to basics. That's 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 a, that's a quotable Harry word. Back to basics. Go back to basics. Go back to drawing board and figure out what you got to do and be intentional with it. That was a big thing. Like intentionality with what you're doing. And you can go out and go through the motions and individual, but or you can be extremely intentional in everything you do, and you will see results. And I did. So that's kind of a little full circle with the how I got with AQ because he never was like chasing me around. I was like, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? I think, I think he ended up – Yeah. And he's like – he ended up really liking that for me. And I think that's probably the reason why he was like, hey, I'll do this. Like, I see promise in what you can do. I like the way you work. I enjoy working with you, so let's do it. So that's kind of how that ended up. And then this season, I'm really proud of how it went. You know, played started 17 games, got to play a lot, played with some great players, obviously with Tom too. I mean – He's the unbelievable teammate and leader and taught me a ton. So get like talk about like the run game with him, protections, and see how he sees things. I mean, it's invaluable information for a second year player. <laughs> so, how tough was it for you? Oh. No, uh, I just how want tough to say Lucky Lefty Podcast we have <clears throat> Robert Hainsey on with us. I just wanted to make sure people that are joining in know who we're talking to. Former Notre Dame <laughs> offensive line, Robert Hansey. Go ahead, Lev. Go ahead. Yeah, like you definitely got to throw the promo in there for sure. But I definitely want to ask 17 games. It's not like a college season. No. So, how important or, or at what point in the 17 game stretch were you like, all right, this is it's getting a little lengthy? I got to. We, you know, not get bored with the process. How did you not get, I'm not going to say bored, but yeah. stay up with the 17 game season? <laughs> well, it's a, well, I guess since it wasn't my rookie year, that helps. Cause at least I knew like how long the season was. Like I've been through one. I didn't really play, but like I had been through it and you're still like, wow, like we're still playing. Like, <laughs> crazy. But um, I think just, I enjoy the game of football and I enjoy the intricacies of football and one going to the NFL and two going to center. I had to learn it in a different way. Mm. And uh, last year was like, everything was coming at once. Like I'm trying to figure it all out this year. I'm in it and I have a much better understanding to start of what our offense is and how we're doing things. So this year it was a lot of fun for me to like, you know, think about try. I was trying to think about it like a coach. Like, how are we dissecting this defense? What are we going to do? Mostly in the run game because the pass is the pass. But like that was really interesting to, for me. So each week was like a new challenge in that respect, which was which was a lot of fun. Yeah, they're like a puzzle puzzle game almost. Exactly. And so I, that's that, that keeps you kind of going, keeps you thinking about how are we going to do this, or when whenever they bring on the run game plan, you're like, oh, I really like this. I love the way you're. I love the way we're doing this. So that's a a great way. And I got that from AQ, you know, he's, he's been in this, he was in this offense for a long time. So he knows it in out backwards. So like, I think I kind of know it. And then I talked to him. I'm like, dang, <laughs> <laughs> studying, which I will. And I, and I have been, so it's good. And it's, so it's a cool has like increased like in terms of the intricacies, like you thinking, you know, it's just a box, but it, it turns into so much more when you know an offense. Cause you said he's been in doing it for so long. Oh yeah. So that probably, helps you kind of expand your knowledge on football in a lot of ways. hundred percent. And like we're trained, when we're trained, like, you know, half the time we're just bullshit and talking about whatever. And the other half, it's like, Oh, let's talk. We're talking about football, not like on purpose, but like, it's just what we talk about. <laughs> I'll like be, I'll be like sitting one afternoon thinking about something. I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll bring that up to him. And then we'll talk for like 30 minutes about like one play or <laughs> one thing. Just because like, we just he'll just, he goes on a tangent and I'm just like sitting there trying to soak it all in because I'm like that he just loves it. Oh, that he just makes loves sense. It. He's not just talking about anything. Like it, it's 
very he, he knows exactly what he's he's trying to say and he says it well so when it comes to like learning the game of football it's he's an unbelievable resource man that's amazing that you talk about that because i've had the opportunity to be around malik former teammates the brotherhood that i try to tell people like until you experience the notre dame football brotherhood it's <laughs> unlike any other what's your favorite story with quentin and mike like take us back because first of all the fact that we've taken a vote i don't know if you know this we've taken a vote of other players we've had on the show and mike mcglinchy is hands down winning as the best basketball player oh for sure in Notre Dame football. <laughs> and i'm like really and they're like yo mike could who like, yeah that he can that's athlete he can he actually He's super really athletic can. playing basketball, and then he gets stiff sometimes playing tackle. I'm like, just put the basketball fluid, yeah. put the football, you straight, you straight. But what's no, your favorite was, moment with those guys? I mean, it was just we all like the another thing too is, not, and I know a lot of probably college teams do this, but like like I said, how close we were, and every like uh, there would be like a summer camp, like the big Irish invasion, maybe summer camp. And after that, all the coaches would leave and go on recruiting. And so it was just us. And we we're like, you could like finally breathe for a second. <laughs> like that was always when we did like after that camp that evening, we'd always do like a barbecue, our O-line barbecue, and just everyone on the O-line. And then the tight ends, probably two quarterbacks, a bunch of the team would end up there. How much after meat, how much meat was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like it was like it was like the frozen burgers and dogs from like okay. Costco. Like, oh yeah, you, like you gotta get like four hundred burgers. Got to get it. Work. <laughs> um, but those are always anytime we got together as a group, and we did a lot. Always a good time. Like it was just everyone had diff, there was all these different personalities. Like, and Mike and Q are super different because Mike was like always like he's super eccentric you know he's like that guy he's always singing he's always, he's always dancing doing that kind of shit yeah, so. he can sing too mike can sing too oh he's, he will he loves to sing <laughs> so the two of them but like just that whole group together anytime anytime we got together it was always a good time and as a as a freshman like that was always so cool because you're like oh just we're all hanging out together but you look up to these guys a ton and so then that's another thing we always made sure to do is like anytime we get together, it's like, hey, everyone come over. And then certain guys like, you know, certain guys are quieter than others and less social than others. But like you'd be like, no, like you're coming to the house and we're all going to like hang out together and party. You can leave after a while, but like you have to come. And you have to spend time together. Yes. Like it was a it was like mandatory. Like you have to. Yeah, it was like a mandatory hangout session for sure. It was cool. It was cool though. (laughs) It was. You had to. It's like this is what we do, and like you're gonna be a part of the group. You can't just be a part of the group in the goog. Like you gotta be a part of it all the time. All the time. (laughs) And that's where the that's where the pack comes from. Where they just be herding around together. (laughs) Exactly. That's the best. It's the best because, like, even when you go back now and like I see them all, you see them all walking together, and you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." We don't have to do it now, but they just start naturally doing it. They're like, "That's what it's about," yo. Which is crazy because I was talking to one of the kids that came in the twenty three class, offensive lineman Charles Jagasaw, and that was the one thing. There were two things that stood out for him in the recruitment. He was like, "I came and everybody moved together," and he said the second thing was. Harry teaches the backups just as hard as he teaches the starters. Yeah. He was like, that's, he said, that impressed me the most. He said, cause I know coming in, I'm going to be a backup. And he yep. said, seeing that he was like, it sold me on the program. Yeah, exactly. And I hope uh, Joe Rudolph, right. The new. Yeah. Him, and I hope he takes, I never, I don't know him. Um, I know he was at what Virginia tech before this. Virginia tech and Wisconsin before that. Wisconsin, yep. Yeah. And you know Wisconsin always has had a great a great standard as offensive lineman. So I think that you know those are the but those are the things that make you know the great coaches great because like even with Harry, I remember like everyone's like, oh, you better learn how to play defense because if you have a battle <laughs> on defense, it's over. <laughs> like, but that's oh, like man. another little thing part of the standard. <laughs> like, you have to do if you're given a bad look, like you're getting you're getting it's going to be bad. 
Yeah, you yeah, you get cussed out for not playing good defense on yeah. the offensive drill. Like you gotta really because yep. he'll be like, Are you gonna are you gonna do anything or you just gonna stand there? Like he's gonna get yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. Lucky Lefty Podcast, former Notre Dame offensive lineman, current NFL Tampa Bay Buck in the offensive lineman. Robert Haynes, he joins us, joins us right here. Let's get to some moments. Moments. What was the moment you knew Notre Dame was the place as oh, you were being recruited? I, know, I remember exactly where I was. I was – so I was at IMG. I went down to IMG those last two years of high school. And I had plenty of offers. I knew I wanted to see what Notre Dame was about, though. And I was, like, telling my parents, I, like, I want to figure it out. So, like, we reached – I don't even know. I think I, I talked to Coach Denson a lot. Who just yeah, got the job? Oh, shout out to yeah, he's got the running back job at the Cardinals. I saw on Twitter. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, congrats. But I was like, we got to figure this out. So I think I was high school sometime. Um, I think I want to say in the spring, or maybe in the in the spring, I went up with my dad. I was like, I want to go check it out. I don't remember exactly how I got there. They hadn't offered me. But when I got there, you know, I met with Coach Eastan for a long time, saw everything, did all the other recruit stuff, and then they and they offered me, and I was like, "Thank you." Like I, and then like I knew when I, left, I, like, I need my mom to get here. I was like, I need to go. I need to take my mom because I need her to see it because like I think this might be it. I remember we were there um, again doing all the recruit stuff. We were having lunch at the Jordan Hall of Science. You guys remember was that that uh, yeah. building? And like, uh, it's, it's, like, like it's the Sistine Chapel, like it's unbelievable. It's crazy. And I remember sitting there at lunch with my mom, just us to a table. I'm like looking around, like, like looking at the ceiling painted, like feeling that feeling. I was like, I want to come. I was like, this is it. I was like, this is where I'm going. <laughs> and she's like, well, don't say anything. Like, relax. Because like, obviously, I had to tell my dad stuff. So that was probably like a Saturday. I remember going home, telling my dad. And then, like that Tuesday, I called Coach Eastan and Coach Kelly, and was like, "Hey, I'm t- this is where I'm coming. This is it." Now, was Eastan? Ex- did he give you an excited? Or what was the response? He's like, "All right, that sounds good. I'll see." You Outstanding. You <laughs> <laughs> no, he was excited. Um, he was excited. I don't remember at the time. I just remember calling him, being like, "Hey," and then he put me on the phone with Coach Kelly, and and that was that. Yeah. No, I early enrolled. I went in January, so. Oh, Talk about that. Like, what what's that like for a freshman early enrollment? Like, coming in and it was was this Coach Bayless at that time? Coach, yeah. Coach Bayless and I got there at the exact same time. Yeah. Like, oh, that's when y'all was changing. That's when y'all was changing everything up. And y'all went yeah, like the staff was changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, now. best thing I could have <laughs> ever done. You know, when I was down at IMG, it's a little bit different, so it's all kind of set up to do that. Probably wouldn't have been able to do that if I stayed at Gateway back in Pittsburgh, which, but for me, like, it's what I needed to do. And like, the reason I went to IMG was like, that was a big decision in itself. But my thoughts was like, okay, I want to do all these things. I want to go to the NFL. I I say I want to do all these things. If I really want to do them, like, I have to do this, which being go to IMG. And I'll say that that's probably the second best decision I ever made after going to Notre Dame because it set me up for success. So I early enroll. I get to spend that spring with them. Um, it was that left tackle. I remember that, like, right before we left for summer, Coach Easton was like, hey, be ready to work at right tackle. Because it was, like, Mike, Q, Sam, Bars. And then right tackle was, like, Tommy and Liam. Yeah, Liam, like, You're yeah. going to work in the right tackle. I'm like, okay. We go to camp. We're bouncing around. Me and Tommy end up rotating with the ones at right tackle kind of towards the end-ish of camp, beginning of the season. So we're, like, splitting reps, like, right down the middle. Yeah. And we never really knew what was going to happen. And then I remember being in the locker room. We played Temple, going to play Temple my freshman year. And, like, I guess we kind of suspected, but Coach Easton never said it. And he never being said it. Like, you guys are going to rotate this. You guys are going to rotate. I was like, all right, cool. Sounds good. <laughs> so for that whole season, Tommy. Right off, like, <laughs> you to I know. He's like, we'll just do both. Like, whatever. <laughs> so for that whole season, and people think this is crazy, and looking back, it is pretty crazy. But that whole season, Tommy Kramer and I rotated every series. He started most of the games, and then I would come in the next series, and we go back and forth the whole like season. down the middle. <laughs> Except, yeah, we both ended up with like 
around 500 snaps or like high 400s, like very similar snap counts. There was funny because like if it was like obvious pass, like two minute, I would go in. Yeah, um, so they, the defense would know. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, but it was like two minute anyway. And Tommy will tell you this: I was a better pass protector than him at the time, so I'm not. I don't feel bad <laughs> about saying that. Tommy's my best friend. Um, so like if it was obvious pass, I would go in. And like there was like we played Miami that year when we got smoked in Coral Gables or whatever. So like I played like ninety percent of snaps that game. He like Tommy had like fifteen snaps the whole game just because the whole game was obvious pass. I ended up playing most of it. There was another game where it just so happened like he had all the snaps, just kind of how it worked out. I didn't have very many, but over the course of the season, it evened out, which was a really cool experience because like I said, very uncommon. But it worked for us. The next year, he kicked in the right guard, and I say that right tackle, and we played next to each other for the next three years. So pretty awesome, uh, pretty awesome experience doing that. And like that, like so. My point was the early enroll thing prepared me to be able to do that. If I just came in the summer, there's no way I was doing yeah. that. No yeah, way. Yeah. I believe that. I think I would have been fine in the long run, but not like I don't know if that's how it would have happened. So for me. 100% bought in. Also, like, everyone's like, you missed your last little bit of high school. I'm like, dude, yeah. looking back yeah. now, thank God I wasn't <laughs> back in high school. <laughs> That's part of the reason I went to IMG. I was like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> and so I was 16, and I was like, all right, I'm going to move to Florida, I guess, and figure it out. And I figured it out. So, Yo, so you talk about the 2017 season. But I want to talk about how it led to 2018, right? Because uh-huh. 2017 started, like, Yo, this could be it. Like yeah. this could be a season. You guys were blood. You were bludgeoning teams. In we the were unranked. That's number three. Yeah, before we lost, lost to Miami. And if you guys win that game, you had a couple of opportunities, a couple of deep yeah. passes that were man missed just barely. That could have changed the outcome of that game. But then yeah. you come back in eighteen. Are you guys coming into the eighteen season feeling like you know what we we let go of the rope a little bit? Let's go ahead and make sure we get to you know, our destination, which ultimately led to the college football playoff. Yeah, I think um, – you know what's funny about 2018? I think about it, and when I think back, we didn't – we were 12-0, and 0, and there was almost – and we'll, we'll talk about this sometimes, but, like, remember, like, that season? Like, we didn't lose a game, and it almost felt like we lost every game. Like even the games we blew guys out, like it was like it felt like the coaches were not pleased. Um, it was like, oh, keep keep going, and we just kept winning. Um, but that's the one thing I remember about that, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. I think that first year of Coach Bayless has a lot to do with it. I think his standard, um, oh yeah, like the way he ran things, and like the respect I have for him as a coach is unbelievable. So we at that point we had about a full one and a half years with him, like going in, like time to go. Um, and I think we are just, we put a good team. We put a really good team together and we had a good, like the, sometimes the schedule at Notre, like schedule at Notre Dame is you win all your games, you're in the playoff. The schedule lined up well, you know, cause we didn't have any, we had some, we had some good games. I mean, Michigan opened the year up with Michigan beat them. So that's a huge start. The whole off season felt like it was just to play Michigan sometimes it was like, all we got to do is beat Michigan. <laughs> like, it was our only game of that season. Yeah. Going, so. Get to the playoff. And obviously, you don't really finish. You don't finish. Like, put Notre Dame out there as, hey, this, we can make it. In the next couple of years, like my senior year, we made it back, too. So. Yeah. It was, a, it was a cool it was a cool ride, for sure. Tough matchups, right? Getting Clemson one year in the semifinal and then getting Alabama. Yeah, I mean. 2020. Yes. You know, as good as we were, as good as we were those years, which my senior year, we were really good, I thought. I thought that was one of the better teams. As good as we were, man, they were playing a different caliber of football. Yeah, they just, they just were. Like, they just were. And I don't know where you make up that difference when you're Notre Dame. Um, I thought – I think now, about – you say like, the difference, though, what, what – like – the difference, like, explain when you say the difference, because you know I believe just like you're saying, you were good all in all aspects. You know, run the ball, throw the ball. You can play great defense. You got veteran leadership. You got some first round talent on the team. Yeah. But that's just not the same. 
No, they had, I mean, like, we had some first round, like, our most talented player, our highest drafted player after that year was Wu, Jeremiah Wusu Kamora. And he was a stud. Stud. I mean, they had between Devontae Smith and Mac Jones, or uh, not Mac, well, him too, but Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. I mean, like, they were, like, those two players are, there was, there's, there's very few people, there was very few people in college that could guard them. And they're still, like, and they're still hard to play against in the NFL. Like, they're just, Really, really, really good players, and they have an unbelievably coached team, and they're unbelievably. That was the one thing I loved. It's like you play bad teams. I remember playing like Syracuse that year, and they were just wouldn't shut up. Their whole like wouldn't shut up. I'm like, guys, we're we're destroying. Like, something. I don't, I don't remember what the score was, but we were winning. I was like, this is brutal. Alabama, like on the field, one of the most disciplined teams I played. Like. Really? Like even their D linemen, which D linemen are known for that kind of stuff. They were not, they weren't like that. Like they were like a respectable team or a very respectable opponent. And I did respect that. Like those are things you notice that you might not know if you're not on the field with them. So, but they're just, you know, sometimes like, like, like it's a good battle. It's not like a, yeah. they're going to try to do some cheat to, to win. The, they're just going to play the game. No, it's like when you watch like MMA and you see two great fighters try to kill each other for 25 minutes and afterwards are like, Dude, good that fight. Was good. <laughs> that was good fight. <laughs> it's like that's what it is. Man, they got a heck of a you see USC coming up with John Jones. John Jones. Yeah, man. that this is gonna no, be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that might go to full. Like that might be that type of match you just talked about. Like at the end, you're like, man, I don't know. Who There's a lot of good ones. Yeah, that this one with fight a couple weeks ago was phenomenal. Yeah. If you saw that one, but, um, but yeah, so that was just, you know, those, those are the, the, the differences. It's hard to quantify and I don't really know where it is. Like, I don't know how to, how you do that. Because like I said, like with that team we had in 2020, I would have put us up against anyone and we did. And then we, we, you know, we beat Clemson the regular season, which was awesome. Lost to an ACC championship and then lose to Alabama. So, you know, that's how it ends and that's how it ends. Like, Alabama mm-hmm. won the national championship that year, I think. And then the year we lost to Clemson in the playoff, Clemson won the national championship. So I guess there might be yeah. a little bit of stalls in that, but still lost. Yeah, they had, they had to go through us. They had to go through us. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And that's, it's interesting to hear that from you guys because the fan base, the Notre Dame fan base, that's what they, that's what they sit and ponder. Like, okay, how can we get take that next half step to get over the hump, to be able to win one of these semifinals and just get to the national championship and give ourselves an opportunity? And I guess the question could be, like, maybe you just answered it. Like, as you walked off the field in those games, did you think we could beat these guys? We, we Man, we could have beat them. Or did you think, like, man, I don't know what we need to do to be able to match up against these type teams? Well, I think we could. Like, you, you're all, we, we could beat them, yes. That day we didn't. Do things, like, have to go 100% right for us? Uh, for sure. You know, they won. They were the better teams those days. But, like, that difference, yeah. Like, you know, ultimately that's, that's Coach Freeman's job. And I think from what I've seen, like, this last year, a few bumps, whatever. Like, you don't go to the playoff every year. You don't yeah. go 12-0 every year. That's not super realistic. But you're going to have a, a – you're going to end up in a window 
of time where you can make these runs. And the goal is to get in that window and play your best football in that window because you have to have the right people and the right players. So our, like changes always happen with like quarterback change or coaching changes, new offensive coordinator. Like it's football. There's changes fluidly throughout the entire season with injuries and everything. And in the off season with the stuff that's going on now. So as those things go, like it's up to, it's up to the coaches to put it all together. And I think they will. I think Coach Freeman, when I talk to him, I love talking to him. I think he's done a great job. I think we'll continue to do a great job. And I think that being at Notre Dame and, like, the way he's recruited – and I don't follow recruiting heavily. I follow, like, a couple – like, some of the Notre Dame accounts on Instagram where I'll see, like, we have, like, the fourth best class in, like, the country. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. So getting those, getting those five stars and those players who are going to do really well and also probably at this point – taking advantage of the whole transfer thing and the NIL yeah. thing and figuring out a way for like, that's, that's a landscape that's going to change college football completely. And I have no idea how, but it'll be this next five to 10 years is going to be incredibly interesting on that front. I think. So big time question. You didn't have an opportunity to see yourself in college football from a gaming standpoint. EA sports is bringing college football back. Yeah. Are you going to create yourself? Uh, well, you remember college? how on NCAA 14, you could yeah. like every year, you could keep playing it, but download some some crazy person would go create every roster. Roster and download it? So maybe I could get it and then maybe I could find like go back and get like the 2020 roster and play with Notre Dame then. You're right. That would be cool. That would be cool because they do that yeah. for like, uh, yeah, for NBA 2K and yeah. all the other games. You're right. I never thought about that. That's a pretty smooth way to do it because I think. There are a lot of players that missed out on being able to have that experience. Like Malik, I said, I think Malik said he just created himself for different teams when he was in high school. He would just put himself. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> so, I, got, I, I did play one game of Madden. I have, I have, like, we got, we get Madden. We get, like, yeah. a code for it. I don't know if the NFL gets it or if I got it through my agent or whatever. I was like, all right, I'll download it. I did play one game. I played one game as the Bucks <laughs> with myself in there just so I could did, do it. How did that go? I think we won. I think we were playing the Chiefs. It was like the Super Bowl match rematch. <laughs> I was like, I was just dicing them up, calling the plays. Give me your favorite moment inside of Notre Dame Stadium. Beating Clemson, hands mm. down. That was – that was really cool. And, like, the coolest part about that was, like, you know, it's COVID. So, first of all, 15,000 fans made it feel like 80, which was outstanding. And I love – that's one thing I love about Notre Dame is, like, uh, people here I'm, – I'm in Texas right now. My girlfriend Rose at Texas, and I've talked to some people. Like, they play bad – like, if they if Texas plays a bad team, like, the stadium won't fill up. If Alabama plays a really bad team, I, I've heard, like, the stadium won't fill up. When we – if we play a team that's, like, you know, not necessarily our caliber. Like, it's not like we're playing Clemson, but like we've played, you know, like smaller schools. Yeah. Our stadium still fills up and there's still 80,000 people there cheering. And that year we only got up to like 15 with all the COVID and stuff. Yeah. But we go beat. I mean, that game was just awesome. Double overtime, all the things that happened. I remember like Kyron, I think um, Kyron fumble or something. And he was like killing himself for it on the sideline. I'm like, and I love Kyron. He's an unbelievable guy and player. And I was like, dude, we're going to get this back. And then we get the ball back, I think, the fourth quarter. And I'm like, um, and I'm like, hey, we're getting this ball. We're going down the field. We're going to score. We're going to go to overtime. Like, it's going to happen. Let's yeah. let's go. Let's believe it. And we did. Overtime happens. We finish, and everyone's just run on the field. And it was just like I got goosebumps thinking about it. Like, it was unbelievable. And one of the cooler things, too, was I remember after leaving – just walking back to the car, like a student, some, I don't even know him. Some guy came up to me. He was a student. He's like, he was just like, thank you. And I was like, you're welcome. He was like, you have no idea like what this means to us. And I was like, you have no wow. idea what this means to me, but you're wow. welcome. Because like that, all anyone wanted that year was normalcy, was something to be excited about because, you know, that we couldn't go to class for a while. Like, Everything was just so strange on campus. It wasn't. It wasn't what it should be for college, and so that was like. I think that meant just a lot to everyone who was there, and like, just made people happy. And it yeah. made me happy too. That was a classic game. I mean, you guys first first play from scrimmage, just buck sweep. 
Yeah, yep. down, down the left I'm, side yeah. line. Did I mean did 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 you guys set that up all week saying, look, if we won, if we run this right, it's going to be a big play. And, you know, it's one of those games where just you like you said, you know, we if we play the way we can play, like we're going to win, and we can win. And even with you know like some mistakes we had, like um, like Ian on that scramble fumbled at the, fumbled, at the yeah. south end zone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like we're about to score in the red zone, and you know those things happen. Yeah. It's like, does how does that change the game? But I remember like scoring the first play. I mean, that's an unbelievable way to start the game because like you're just like what you're like because uh, you know they're number one. I don't know what we were ranked at the time. Probably we we're probably pretty high though. Yeah. Because it was like it was probably like a one four like a one five matchup. But like you know they're favored in our stadium. But you know you go out run the ball the first play take it however far and score, it's like, what's up? We're here. Let's do this. And then you're just rolling. So. Yeah, they were actually ranked third, and you guys are ranked fifth. Okay. Three, third three versus five. Yeah. Yeah. So, 730 in Notre Dame Stadium. I mean, yeah. in November. Under the lights. Yeah. Unbelievable. Absolutely. As we get ready to let you go, and we appreciate you giving us time today, Robert. What's yeah, your favorite moment on campus? Uh, I, I'm so interested by this because we get so enthralled by what you guys accomplish on the field. Uh, for me, I try to explain to people when you walk the Notre Dame campus, it's almost like you feel the history. Like it's just it's in the air. Like it's, it's hard to explain. And I'm like walking around the stadium and I'm like walking in between the buildings and I'm like thinking about all the people in American history or world history that have actually walked the same path. Yeah. It's, it's really something to really experience one one thing i never did was walk. i never which i didn't do this on purpose but i kind of realized that it's a good thing i never really like walked with like airpods in or listened to music just because i think i didn't feel like putting them putting it together which takes three seconds but like i just walk i just start walking but i realized like i'm glad i don't do that like whenever i walked around campus i tried to take in campus yeah i miss campus like i i really need to get i hope to get back for the spring game because i really I really love it there. And like my girlfriend is a fifth generation Notre Dame graduate. Like her family has been like a part of Notre Dame for a long time. And we met there, which is cool. And so, you know, thinking about her grandparents and great grandparents going there. Mm -hmm. And like, like you said, the history behind it, getting to go. I remember like you get to go for one of the classes, you get to go to Ted Hesburgh's office in the library. It's the top of the library. And like that's an unbelievable experience because it's kind of still sitting there exactly the same as he had it as people would go and like her dad went to Notre Dame when Ted Hesburgh was the president and so like and she he would tell stories about like how cool he was and he would just like say say hello to everyone he talked to you his door was always open like people would just go in and talk to him as the president yeah. of the university. Um, I loved going to the grotto because that was like like it might be Notre Dame cliche, but I don't really care because like you go there and like especially like if it's night and quiet and no one's there and you can just kind of sit and reflect and just take it in. I remember like I went right before I left for like the last time before I was like going, I guess probably going home and didn't know like when I was going to come back or I guess after pro day probably, or right after that Rose Bowl game, we got back and I remember like it was like done. I was like, this is it. And I went to the grotto before I left and I was like driving down that road and I was like, Oh my God. God, I was like bawling, crying. I was like, "Fuck, wow. this is gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna miss it." And I really do. It's an it's an unbelievable place. There's so many great people there that you just come and come in contact with that, like, don't have to be great people, but they just are. Like, I remember when we were all staying at Morrison during COVID. Like, the whole team was there. Yeah, and like the people running the valet, like. Stop and talk to them every day for like five minutes. Just an un unbelievable people. Things like that that I don't necessarily know are other places um, because you haven't experienced other places, but I have experienced Notre Dame, and I know that stuff's there, and, and that's what makes it the most special place in the world to me. Yeah, the best way I can describe it is it's a very angelic place. Yeah. It's just a very angelic place. I remember the first time I went there to cover Marcus Freeman's introductory press conference mm -hmm. uh, for the spring, leading up to the spring, not when he was introduced, but when they came back after the bowl game. 
And I got there extra early because I had to drive down from Chicago. And I walk up and this guy, I know Joe is the man, he's the best guy. He's standing there at the gate. And we're talking because I'm like maybe an hour early. And he's looking at me. He sees me looking down at the field, right? And the field still has a little snow on it. And I'm looking yeah. down the tunnel. And he keeps looking at me. He keeps looking at me. So after he catches me like the third time, he's like, go ahead and walk down. And I looked at him. Man, my eyes got big. And I was like, are you sure? He was like, go ahead. And I was like, I'm about to walk down. I was like, I'm about to walk down this tunnel. This is crazy. And walk onto the field. So it's angelic, man. And the people around it, yeah. they support that. You know, the way they treat you and the way they make the way they make you feel around that campus is the absolute best. Robert Hainsey, LL Nation. He joined us today. Great stories on Harry Heastan, what's needed for Joe Rudolph and that offensive line to take the next step forward and continue that greatness. We appreciate you guys. Look, I just want to let you know, I'm going to throw it out there now. We do a player's lounge where Malik, a player's only lounge where Malik talks to the players by himself. I'm not on the screen. We already did one with the running backs and wide receivers. We have to get one where it's like you, Q, Mike, and Ronnie, and just offensive line guys just talking about carrying on that tradition. Let's do it, man, because I know you guys have some off time. You'll be doing some traveling. Let's try and get to it maybe around the blue and gold game. Like that would be awesome. guys, yeah, absolutely. So Hopefully we'll I'll, I'll, I'll get up there. I hope I can get up there. It'll be that'll be great. Absolutely. Robert, have a great day, man. Stay safe. Thanks, brother. You're down in Texas, so I know you're gonna eat good. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Have a good one. I appreciate y'all having me on. And appreciate you, Robert. Once again, LL Nation, Robert Hainsey, right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. He talked about the legacy of Harry Heastan. He talked about the hiring of Joe Rudolph, and he talked about the pressure on Joe Rudolph to fill those shoes, and also what the veteran offensive linemen like Zeke Carell, Blake Fisher, and Joe Alt have to do to make sure that the transition and the level of excellence continues on going into the 2023 season. But he also talked about some great moments and some great games during his time. He also talked about what it was like as a freshman being mentored by Mike McGlinchey and also Quentin Nelson. So once again, go and listen to it. If you joined us late, go and rewind right now. We don't mind. Man, we come to give you the best with the Lucky Lefty podcast. We are the home of the misguided passion, but we also make sure that we spin it different. Oh, 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 oh,